Let's take a moment and love our God. Father God, thank you for a beautiful day. Life and strength and good health. Heaven's many blessings. The great peace of God to touch our hearts. Oh Lord, you are great and you are mighty. You are holy and you are divine. Oh God, you've never, ever, ever failed. And I give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And I'm thanking you for the truth, the truth of heaven great truth of God. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right. We love you. We're glad you're here. Happy Mother's Day. I've already forgotten how to say it in Creole, but it ends with mama. And uh, in, in Spanish, it's uh, feliz de la madre. How's that? I think I got it. All right. I'm close anyway, right? Okay. Let me see if I can do it in English. Happy Mother's Day. There we go. I struggle with the English stuff, you know. All right, I love you. Got a Bible? Let's take a look at God's Word. And, uh, good spirit, good presence of the Lord, and that's what matters. like to turn to Matthew chapter 12 this morning. Matthew chapter 12. Thankful for each one. Matthew chapter 12, and if you'll look at verse 46 with me this morning. While he yet talked to the people, behold, his mother and his brethren stood without, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to speak with thee. We'll get into the rest of it later, but I would like the three words, Behold thy mother. You may be seated. Very nice to have Conrad with us this morning, Brother Andre and Dre, each and every one, Brother Joseph and his wife. Happy for all of you. If I miss you, I'm waving at you. Love you. We're glad you're here. Okay. Thank God. Thank God. Well, it is Mother's Day, and... Uh, that's a very important thing, of course. We wouldn't be here without mothers. So we're very thankful for mothers bringing us into this world, I think. Pretty rough world we're ha we have to deal with. <laughs> and uh, so that's why I want to say, more importantly, I thank the church. I thank God for the church, which is the mother of us all. That's what your Bible says mother of us all. And uh, what God has brought us into through the born-again experience, no way around that. People, they try every way they can to fudge and to maybe get angry or upset or something of that nature. But you know what? We just believe the Word. And that's a challenge, to believe the Word of God, the believing part is the challenge. And uh, we, we are assaulted by many different things coming from many different directions. The whole bottom line is a devil who is the destroyer and who only comes around to pluck up and to kill and to destroy. See, that's the only reason for his existence is to do nasty stuff like that. And he doesn't want us to believe God. He doesn't want us to believe in the church and the teachings of the Word of God. Uh, he hates that. And that's why the Bible said in Revelation 12 that he stood before the mother for to devour the man-child, which was Jesus. And uh, he rose up through Herod. And knowing people, 
They said, we'll offer them a little candy or a barbecue or, you know, throw a party. They'll all come. They'll forget everything. They'll throw everything out the window. They'll forget what a snake you've been, Herod. They'll forget how nasty your attitude's been and how you fought because you said the magic word, party, presence. And so all the mothers of Israel gathered up their children that were two years old and down, particularly the male children, and they headed to the party. And, ooh, we're going to have a big time. And uh, I guess they kind of did like Pilate. You know, Pilate and Herod, they were enemies. They were button heads all the time. But they, uh, they made friends. They made peace. They threw all of their hatred and misgivings and, and uh, reasons for being at odds with one another, threw all that out the window. They made peace over Jesus. They, they made peace because they said, he's the one that we got to get. He's the one that we got to kill. He's the one that we got to destroy. So let's you and I work together here and get that. Let's put all our bygones aside and let's, let's unite over Jesus. And so they did. And as you know, as Paul Harvey said, that guy, that news guy, the rest of the story is very plain, isn't it? They did take him and they, after whipping him and beating him and mocking him and ridiculing him, and step at a time, they drug him down and then they crucified him. So it was, uh, that's what happens, you know. You'd be surprised what, what people will put their bad thoughts about each other and their arguments with each other. They'll set all that aside, and they'll unite against the real thing. Hey, and Jesus is the real deal. He's the real thing. Satan will let you have any religion you want. He'll let you go anywhere you want to go. Do anything you want to do except come to the real body of Christ. He's going to fight you tooth and toenail over John 3, 5 and Acts 2, 38 and one God and the teachings, the standards. It's not enough to be saved. You must stay saved. So he's going to fight you over Romans to Revelation. Somebody said recently that the foundation of the church is Acts 2, 38 and one God. That's true. I won't take that away, but you can't stop there. You can't stop there. You can't stop there. Romans to Revelation is what's going to keep us saved. It's what's going to keep us in shape. It's what's going to make us, somebody got worried about the book of Revelation. You know, the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation. <laughs> and my pastor said, tell you what, he said, if you'll take care of everything up to the book of Revelation, he said, the book of Revelation will take care of itself. So, you know, you can get out of balance, church family, and we don't want to be out of balance. All right? We want to get balance and maintain balance. You don't want to go way out of balance on doctrine. Either way, left or right, you want to stay, get the truth and stay with the truth. Okay? Very, very important. And uh, as there were those that began to pull together to fight the real thing, the real one, you know, they said to him one day, they said, tell us plainly whether thou be the Christ or not, so we might believe. And he said, I've already told you. The problem isn't with me telling you. The problem is with you believing what I tell you. Believing what I tell you. And that's where it's at today. I can tell you the truth. But do you believe it? Believing is obeying. Believing is obeying. If you believe the Scriptures when it tells you, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, then you're going to get baptized in water, in the name, of Jesus Christ for the full pardon and forgiveness of all your sins. 
If you believe that, you're going to do that. You're going to be obedient to that. And if you believe, furthermore, that you must be born again of the Spirit, that is, you must receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, just like they did in Acts chapter 2, 8, 10, and uh, 19. You're going, you're going to believe that when you obey that. You hear me? You, you can say you believe. I've heard people, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, but then they don't do a, a thing. Or as a country boy said, they don't do a cotton-picking thing. <laughs> they don't do nothing, okay? That's not believing. That's simply not believing. Believing is you put that baby in gear, and you go do. Blessed are they that do his commandments. And so, to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, be born again of the Spirit, and fulfilling Acts 2.38, of repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, and receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. When you do those things, then you're proving, and it is written in the Bible about the proof of your love. You're proving through your obedience that you are believing and that you love him. He doesn't want to just hear words. He really wants to see some action. He really wants to see you get into gear. Yeah. I had an old coach, and uh, you know the worst thing at the end of a hot day, Brother Andre, was wind sprints. Nobody. I don't know of anybody on the team that would like to do wind sprints. You'd have to run sometimes 50 yards, and you'd get to stop, turn around, run back another 50 yards, and, and then sometimes he'd make you run 100 yards, the whole length of the field. But he'd challenge you. He'd challenge you to reach down deep inside yourself. And, you know, when I, when I listened to him and I obeyed him, I could do it. But when I was being lazy, I didn't do it. <laughs> I said, oh, I hurt my knee today, or oh, my ankle hurts, and I'd go sit down and take my, my spikes off. And <laughs> He knew good and well what was going on, and so did everybody else. You know, but uh, there are some days that you, you build up that strength. You know, there's some days that you pop out of bed and you hit the prayer room. You read the book. And there's some days when you barely roll out of bed. You know, you're just feeling kind of draggy. But, you know, we've got to all, we've got to get a hold of that, that attitude. We got to put it in gear. We got to show Jesus we really do love Him. Everybody said, "Praise the Lord." We've got to really, we got to really show it to Him. We got to really—I don't know. Maybe Jesus was from Missouri. I'm not sure. But you know, He show Him. You, that's the show me state. You got to show Him. He's and and really, all of that is for our good. It's for our good. It's us. It's us. And everybody said amen. All right, it's us. And so I want you to take note on this Mother's Day that Jesus was teaching the people. And as he's teaching the people, there were those that, you know, let me, let me inject something. I read in the newspaper the other day, yesterday. Somebody wrote in, and they were all upset because one of the presidential can candidates, so I'm not stumping for anybody, so I'm not going to give you a name. One of the presidential candidates said about somebody else, another candidate, that they were, when they made a certain comment, said they were off the reservation. Somebody wrote in, took all kinds of offense that that was a slur, and used that term, said that was a slur against people who are Native Americans, because they said that somebody was off the reservation. Now, you know, for me, that's just a little bit nitpicky. That's just being a little oversensitive. That's just looking for something to fuss and argue about. You know, come on. I doubt there's an Indian anywhere that cares if you say you're off the reservation. I don't think they care anything about I think they're made of tougher stuff than that. You know, Indians used to put pins in their 
skin and then put hooks and hang by those pins and those hooks to build up endurance. Yeah. They used to wear almost no clothing and go out in freezing cold, snowy weather and be trained to say, the cold is my friend. I do that when I crawl under all the covers and turn the heater on. <laughs> oh, man. But that's the kind of endurance. That's the kind of tough stuff that they were trained under. Uh, so, you know, somebody's saying you're off the reservation somehow or another. I don't, I don't think any Native Americans are going to get all offended about that. I really don't. So I'm saying that. But people, there are people that are just looking for anything. Well, that tells you that there's really a hidden agenda there. It's really something else. It's really something else. And these folks said to Jesus, hey, you're your mother. And when they said brethren, they were talking about his brothers. They're, they're outside. You got, you got people, you got a crowd around. You got these people you're teaching all around you. And, and your mother and your brethren, they're pushed way back. And they're desirous to speak to you. And like I said, I particularly want those three words, behold thy mother, or look thy mother. Well, it is Mother's Day, and, and we, we do want to take a good look at the mothers. We do want to uh, give them recognition. We do want them to know that they're, they're appreciated and that they're loved. We surely do. Uh, this church, we try to show that in different ways. And one of the ways we do it today, we're going to give all the ladies a rose. They'll be different colors and uh, just a little token. But I want you to know that it's important. It's important for you to hear what else Jesus said when he was told, behold or look at thy mother. As I told one sister this morning, I said, I think I tried it in Spanish, and, uh, but I said happy Mother's Day in Spanish, I think. And, uh, and I, I know that she's not been married and hasn't birthed naturally any children. But I said, I paused and I said, Remember something, I said, you are a mother. And brother, she's a, she's a mother of quite a tribe and been a mother to them, a matriarch to them, prayed for them, and I'm sure fixed many a meal for them and cleaned up after them and ministered to them when they were sick, driven them and visited to them in hospital and different things. Very much a mother. And uh, so... Take a good look at your mother. Yes, do that. And Jesus did. He did. And his brethren. Sure he did. And then he said, but I, I got a little lesson for you because these people had, they didn't care about his mother. They didn't care about his brothers. They had a whole different agenda. And Jesus knew, just like he told them many a time when they would ask him something, he'd say, why tempt ye me? He perceived their thoughts. He discerned their spirit. He knew what they were about and what they were up to. He knew what the agenda was. And he said, who is my mother and my brother? He said, it's them that do the will of the Spirit. Them that obey the Heavenly Father. He said, them that do his will, them that obey his word. He said, that's my mother and my brethren. So I say to you today, behold thy mother. Take a good look at the church. And just like you would, I trust your natural mother. You're not, if you love your mother, you're not going to see all the faults and the, the problems and the Growing up when you got a couple of spankings and pow-pows and all of that kind of stuff. You're not going to think of that kind of stuff in some kind of bad attitude. You're going you're gonna to fondly remember your mother. You're going to remember when she took care of your fevered brow. 
You're going to remember when she fixed your favorite meal. You're going to remember how she kept the house clean and did different things for you. Those are the things you're going to remember. And everybody said amen. amen. What did uh, the Bible say in the book of Nehemiah? Nehemiah got real pitiful before God, and he said, Oh, God, he said, remember me for the good I've done. Well, that's what we want. I don't want God to remember none of my failings. <laughs> I don't want God to remember the things I did wrong. I want God to, re to remember the good stuff. <laughs> and that's what we want to do for each other. Let's remember the good. Amen. Let's remember the good. And I'll say to you today, if you don't have a mother, we had a woman many years ago sat right here on the second row and got up on this very day and cried her eyes out because she said, you don't know how fortunate you are if you have a living mother because she said, my mother's dead. And she was an older woman, but she missed her mother. So if you don't have a living mother today, just remember you've got the church. You've got the church, and it's a church full of living mothers. We're not a dead church. We don't serve a dead God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a living God. Amen. The church is alive. The church is on fire. The church is full of God's love. And just like, you may be seated. God bless you. And just like when you were growing up, and there was a time or two, I say that tongue-in-cheek, one or two times, that mom had to discipline you, maybe bark at you a little bit. I always laugh because, you know, when, when mom gets really upset, then she calls you by all three of your names, right? Da -da 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 -da. Come here right now, you know? And, of course, if you're Spanish, you probably had six names. <laughs> Go back to your grandparents and your great-grandparents, right? Nothing wrong with it. I think that's pretty cool myself. <laughs> but, boy, when she got done calling all them names, you knew to come front and center and, and do it uh, muy rápido, rápido. Arriba, arriba, move it, get with it. <laughs> Don't drag, get there. And so... Anyway, um, you know, it's, it's in really important that in remembering those times when uh, you got called on the carpet, so to speak, that uh, you don't just dwell on those times. And it's funny, with the passage of time, we mellow. We mellow. Yeah, we do. I, I saw a grandfather and a father and a grandson. The grandson was only about six to eight years old, little guy. And uh, Grandpa was sitting in the recliner rocking a little bit and uh, probably looking at the paper. And, and the kid was running around. You know how kids run around doing all kinds of stupid things, bouncing off the walls, whatever. And, um, and the father came in, and he saw the kid bouncing off the walls, and he grabbed him, and he reared back to give him a shot in the sitter downer. And uh, Grandpa, who was immersed in that paper, suddenly looked up. He said, that's a mighty big hand you got there, son. And he thought, he stopped, and he thought, my dad, who whipped the socks off of me, just said that to me. <laughs> so we mellow. We mellow, you know. Grandparents aren't appointed to uh, administer discipline. Their ministry in life is to spoil and then hand them back. Yeah, just ply them with candy, happy meals, give them all that kind of stuff. And then you hand them back to mom and dad. You Here, you can discipline them. You deal with the sugar overload. I got to go now. Yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm saying let's learn from the good word of God, okay? Let's remember the good. Let's mellow out a little bit, okay? Because if somebody ran into you at a certain time in your life, you might not have been remembering mom for the good. You might, you, the pow-pow might have been too fresh, and you hadn't quite mellowed from that yet. 
There might have been some discipline administered that was just a little raw in your thinking. You know? And so you might have sounded like, you know, you had some attitude. But give it a little time. Give it a little time. And then you'll reflect on some stories and some memories, and you'll laugh. It'll all be funny then. You, you get a little more mature. You get a little more experience about life. Everybody said amen? Oh, yeah. You get a little bit more experience about life. And you, you get some experiences yourself in dealing with the little ones as they grow up to be the dreaded teenagers, you know. Yeah. Now they're dragons. And you got to deal with the, the fieriness, and it ain't just the breath from some kind of hot french fries or something. Yeah. You got to deal. And of course you're going to be thinking, why can't they be like we were, perfect in every way? You don't want to interview mom, do you? <laughs> might find out you weren't quite as perfect as you're thinking you were. You might be a little, what we call selective retention. You might just be remembering when you were sleeping. Oh, you were a good child when you were sleeping. That was great. It was the, it was the when you were awake part that was a little bit challenging for mom. But mom suffered it. She got through it few more gray hairs. I always remember seeing such failed when we, in the academy, you know, this, this August will be 38 years. And I always remember that, um, think about that, she was 38 years younger, and so was I. And, uh, but I remember that she told me one day, she said, I got my first gray hair today, and I can tell you who gave it to me. <laughs> and we still talk about that. We still talk about him. He was a booger. He wasn't in the church. And uh, we, that's during the years when I had lost my mind and I took in people from outside. And uh, finally one day God gave me back my mind like he did Nebuchadnezzar and I cut it down to church family kids. And so now I've only lost half my mind. But anyway, anyway, loving everybody, and I mean that, and, uh, but that doesn't mean it's not challenging. It is. And I wish we'd all operate by this rule. And this rule goes like this. If you won't believe half of what they tell you about us, we won't believe half about what they tell us about you. Fair and square, right? Okay. Because, you know, children and children grow up, and so sometimes they, they don't outgrow some of the things, and they still bring emotionally slanted news reports. Okay, keep that in mind. So, you know, when it's pastor, I love pastor appreciation. I thank you for that. There's nothing wrong. There's a big difference between the word praise and appreciation. Yes, all the praise, I want it to go to God. I'm not looking for any praise. Appreciation's nice, so I like appreciation. I don't mind that at all. We'll take, we'll take that in heaps and heaps, okay? That's great. Um, but uh, what I am saying is that, that you want to keep in mind that when it's not appreciation day and it's bashing day, you might want to stop and think a little bit more maturely. You might want to sift some things and remember that people do emotionally slant the news reports and things of that nature. And Jesus knew what the crowd was doing. He knew what the chief priests and the scribes and the Pharisees were doing when they said, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren are without, and they're desirous to see you. You're rude. You're ignoring them. You know, that, these were the obvious implications, but they were, there was deeper reasons for them using this for the occasion because they wanted, they wanted to destroy him. They wanted to take him down because they had the wrong spirit influencing them, just like when Peter said, 
after the Lord said, they're going to take me, they're going to crucify me, they're going to do this, do that, do the other. And Peter said, not so, Lord, with his hand on the, on the shaft of that sword. And he said, I'll cut, I'll cut their heads off. Well, sometimes he was a bad aim, and he just cut ears off. <laughs> but whatever the case, <laughs> Jesus always thankfully repaired it, and you might want to keep that in mind. Because, you know, sometimes, sometimes the pastor is battling and you might just get in the wrong place on the wrong side of him, and you might get your ear cut off. But don't worry about it. Jesus has a way of putting that back where it belongs. He has a way of fixing everything up, if we'll just hang in there. We'll just take a good look at the church. Behold thy mother. Jerusalem, the church, the mother of us all. Those that truly love God. Those that Keep his word and do his will. Jesus said, that's my mother. That's my brother. They're the ones I'm claiming. And I want to be claimed by him. He's going he's to count his worthies. And furthermore, he's going to recount his worthies. And you know what? You want him to say, still here, still here, hanging in persevering, still praying, still worshiping, still going forward in Jesus' name. You know, the Lord knows the difference. My wife knows the difference. She can go to Goodwill, and she can pick out what's genuine, what's real, and what's, like she says it like this, some things are antique, and some things are just old. And she knows the difference. Me? I got no clue. I got no clue. I could think something is really nice, and she'd say, no good, honey, put it back. And then she'll reach for something, and I'll go, oh, that's, that's okay. she goes, yeah, well, this is, and she turns it over, and this is, and you see that, and I'm like, okay, I'm convinced, but I still like the other one, you know. They don't work with me too well. What can I say? But um, she knows the difference. God, I'm saying to you, knows the difference between the fake and the phony. He knows the difference between people who've got other agendas. He knows the difference between who's real. You hear me? He knows that. Bible talked about unfeigned faith. And lo and behold, the Spirit spoke through the apostle, and he commended a mother to a young man named Timothy. Not only... The mother, but the mother's mother. Three generations. He commended their faith. And he said it was unfeigned. That means it wasn't plastic. It wasn't phony. It wasn't fake. They didn't come around for the wrong reasons. They didn't come around like the devil or influenced by the devil that got on Peter who said, I'll cut their ears off. I'll cut their heads off. I won't let them do those things to you. And Jesus is like, yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, Lord, I'll die for you. And Jesus is like, yeah. He said, that rooster's not going to let it rip, but what you're going to deny me three times. And you know good and well, when Peter got done denying him the third time with cursing and bitterness in his voice, well, that rooster let it rip like he does usually right about Daylight in the morning. I usually see the socks on the rooster myself, but that means I get up before him sometimes. I'm in here praying for you roosters and hens by the time he gets to crowing. But um, before that, when that rooster let it rip, the Bible said that it, it teaches you that it just got through to Peter like nothing else. And he looked. And the Lord was looking right smack at him. And then he went out and wept. And oh, how he wept. How he wept. And that good weeping prayer saved him because the Lord's disciples, particularly the women, the faithful women, had come looking in the wrong place. The angel said, well, you're looking for the living among the dead. He's not here. He's alive. He's up. He's gone, man. He's taking care of business. I keep telling people, we got to get that song, Taking Care of Business. 
and turn that into a spiritual words, godly words, because we're about our Father's business. You know, we're taking care of business, church family. We're taking care of business. And sometimes in taking care of business, there are, there are not, not even sometimes, all the times, there are spirits that are out to hinder. Paul said, I would have come to you, but Satan hindered. He said, there's a great and effectual door open, but there are many adversaries. He said, after the manner of men, I fought with the beasts of whatever particular place he was at. You know? And so, and another place he called them bulls. The bulls of Bashan. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of opposition. There's lots of spirits that can get on you and influence you for the wrong. And that's what happened to Peter, and that's why Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I'd say that was quite an insult. That was a slap down. Peter probably, what did I do? You know. But Jesus wasn't talking to him. He was talking to that ugly spirit that was just glooming all over him. That Jesus discerned what was really behind the words and the statements and the actions. And Jesus did that that day. One day said, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren are without desirous to see thee. Jesus said, my mother, my brethren, them that are right now doing the will of God, them that are keeping the word of God, guarding it, protecting it, obeying it, living it, doing it, those are my, that's my mother. My, those are the ones I'm claiming. Those are the ones I'm counting, and I'm going to be recounting, and I'm counting on them being there when I recount. I want to be in that first resurrection church family. How about you? Let's give God a big hand. Come on. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you right now, and you better hear me when I tell you this, and there isn't going to be anybody worse off in hell than people who know the truth that they were sat under teaching and they were duplicious. They were divided in their hearts, in their minds. What Ephraim, he had gray hair and he knew it not. It was a cake not turned. Just wasn't getting through like it should. Yeah. Wasn't paying attention like it should. Falsehood doesn't work with God. Not at all. Jesus knows who his sheep are. I'm telling you, you've heard the phrase, somebody's going to get a hotter place in hell. Well, I'm not too sure about the heat part, but I do know it did talk about beaten with many stripes, and it does talk in the Bible about receiving the greater damnation. And I believe, from what I read in the Bible, that that means your memory. See, when you go to heaven, you don't have your memory. You, don't have, you get Alzheimer's, and that's a good thing because you don't remember anything back here. Then it wouldn't be heaven, would it? Because you'd be remembering all the people that are lost. You might be remembering loved ones that turned away from the church, that didn't want to any longer, maybe, maybe never serve him, live for him, worship him, uh, do his will. That wouldn't, that wouldn't be heavenly. That would be misery. No, heaven is going to be all about Jesus, and I make all things new. That's what heaven's going to be. But hell, my friend, is going to be having the faculty of memory. There, are, there was a young lady that sent flowers not too long ago. I don't even know what the occasion was. I think somehow she remembered seeing Mr. Feld's birthday. And doorbell rings, and she goes to the door, and there's, there's a big gold thing of flowers. And she thought, who, who would be this? And so... She got the card out, the young lady, and she thought, my God, I haven't seen this young lady in three or four years. And if I remember right, she was a Sister Rivera type young lady. <laughs> she gave her a hard time. You never gave her a hard time, did you, Sister Rivera? <laughs> we have a lot of fun about that. She tried to tell me that, that little O was a, a handful, and I said, and I'm looking at, and she started laughing. Oh, yeah, you see, some of you were young when you started here. And some of you were little, what we call sugar boogers. 
Sometimes you would know sugar, just boogers. But nonetheless, and we love you all, and we, now we are mellow and we appreciate all those good times. You know. But I'm saying, this young lady wrote in a card, and she thanked Senior Sister Feld. She said, I remember all the Sunday school lessons that you taught me. Oh, God, I hope she makes it. I hope she makes it. Because, you know, I'm telling you, you don't want to have that kind of memory in the wrong place. Because it's going to whip you and it's going to beat you. And it's, it's going to be relentless and world, world without end. I don't want that. I want to make heaven, church family. I want to keep the word of God. I want to ask him to help me to keep, to guard, to do, to obey his word, to believe it, to put everything into action. I want him to help me to do his will, not my will. I want his will. And most of the time, doing his will means denying myself. That's what that means, denying myself. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Yeah, they, they, uh, you read the account of Jesus with his disciples, and word gets to them that Lazarus has died. And uh, they get ready to gear up and go because Jesus told the disciples, he's not dead, he's just sleeping. And then they were like, well, one of them said, well, maybe we shouldn't go and wake him, let him, let him sleep. Maybe he needs a good night's sleep. So finally, Jesus got so exasperated, he said, he's dead. Oh, you know. And so he said, but we're going to wait two more days, and then we're going to go. Well, I don't know about unbeknownst to Jesus, but unbeknownst to the disciples, he'd already been dead two days or asleep two days. And so they waited two more days. So when they got to where that was actually Bethany, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus had lived. And it was about two miles from Jerusalem, on a little bit higher elevation. And there uh, came Jesus and his disciples. Martha, hearing that Jesus had come into town, ran out to meet him. And she told him, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Well, that's a nice expression of faith along with a backhanded slap, you should have been here, you know. And, uh, of course, Jesus told her, your brother's going to live again. And, of course, she being a bit of a know-it-all, you know, she uh, and not, not realizing or not giving any kind of maybe too much emotion, I think, flowing, that she became disrespectful to Jesus. And she said, I know that he'll rise at the resurrection. I love that. And I love when Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I had one of our young men, he said to me that one of the supervisors said something to him. And I said, I'm seeing your pastor failed, and I'm telling you. Don't think I want to, I don't think I want you, the janitor, bumping into my what I'm saying to you right now, okay? So you just sit up straight and pay attention, and we'll get this taken care of painlessly. You know. So it wasn't a good time to tell Jesus, you know, that I've been paying attention in Sunday school, and I know that he's going to rise at the resurrection. So Jesus told her he is the resurrection and the life. And so the narrative moves on. Martha runs and on that she just left, and she goes and gets her sister Mary, who sat still, just waiting on the Lord, knowing that he was in town, knowing that he would call for her when he was good and ready. Timing is so important to wait. It is written in your Bible, wait on the Lord. It's also written, answer me speedily. I like that part. <laughs> but uh, Mary then was informed that the master calleth for thee. She popped up like toast and took off down. And what's the first words out of her house? If you'd have been here, <laughs> my brother wouldn't have died. <laughs> she stole a page out of her sister Martha's book and repeated the same thing. 
And, uh, and so anyway, uh, Jesus said, you know, take me to where he's at. So they headed down to where he was at. And, the, and these people seeing him heading in that direction and Mary weeping. And I'm quite sure that Mary weeping tugged on Jesus' heart. And he can be touched with our feelings, church family. And you need to have faith in that. You need to have faith in that. You need to have faith in that. And uh, when he, he got there, here's Mary, Martha again. Because Jesus said, roll away the stone. Take the stone away. And she's, Lord, he ain't been dead four days. By now he stinketh. <laughs> it's a wonder. No wonder Jesus said one place, he said, how long shall I tolerate you? <laughs> how long am I going to have to put up with this? <laughs> you know, it's, let me tell you something, church family. I forgot my walking mic today, so you have to, I'll have to take my other mic. And uh, Brian, you've got to learn to check me, son, because I walk out of the office without it. What can I say? You've got to prove me. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> the Scripture teaches that, that Jesus would become exasperated. He would tell them, and somehow or another, they, they weren't getting it. They weren't paying attention. They misinterpreted everything. They weren't thinking spiritually. You know, talk to them about false doctrine. They think he's talking about bread. Maybe they're always just way to a man's heart's for his stomach, right? So maybe they're just always thinking about food. I don't know. But uh, it's very exasperating, very frustrating to the leadership when they tell you, Miriam, and they tell you, and they tell you, and they, and you're not obeying, you're not believing, you're not doing. And then guess what happens? That's when I get a "I told you so" moment, and I don't like to say "I told you so" because nobody likes that statement. So then I, I changed it. I revised it. I, I warned you so. I warned you so. So I'm saying to you, <laughs> we need. We, we want to learn the lessons here. We want to learn the lessons. We, like God, have your best interests at heart. We want the best for you. I want you to make heaven. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be healthy. But above all, we want you to be saved. We want you to be saved. I want you to make heaven. I want you to get that promise of eternal life. He's promised you eternal life. So the young lady, I was telling you, so she, she sends the flowers and she sends the card. Haven't seen her in well, probably three or four years. Telling scenes at Feld, I remember all the lessons you taught me, all the Sunday school lessons. I remember them. Well, lo and behold, funny how things happen. I don't know about you, but, you know, sometimes you think you want a certain car. You may be thinking about buying it, and it's like every car you see is that model. It's amazing. And so this happens with the flower basket and the card and all the nice compliments. After not seeing the person for three or four years, within a week, bump into her in the mall. There she is with her husband. They have a kiosk in the middle of the mall. And, oh, she just wrapped scenes that fell up. And, she, and there was her little son, and she got to see the little boy and, and met the husband. And, and uh, she just couldn't say enough complimentary things. You know, church family, I'm telling you, after a while, this is the young lady that, <laughs> you know, really <laughs> gave you a hard time in Sunday school, you know. <laughs> and you didn't think appreciated anything and didn't think they were hearing anything or learning anything, only to find out that not one word was dropping to the ground, you know, that they're still there. They're here. Well, this young lady, you know, is, ah, 
And so <laughs> it was a, a good surprise. It was a happy, rewarding exp uh, experience. And, uh, you know, it gives us, as leadership, it gives us hope that maybe, just maybe, something gets through on a spiritual level. And that just maybe, somewhere along the line, they'll come back. And we'll go to heaven together. And that's what we want. That's what we want. Don't let the devil rob you. Don't let him trick you. You know. I laughed one day. Jake was coming up the stairs. And one of the young ladies was sitting by the door. And she was, she stuck her foot out. I mean, she never batted an eye. She never turned. She just stuck her foot right out, right on time. And Jake never missed a step. He just stepped right over and kept moving. And I thought, boy, we got some coordinated people around here. <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool. I wish I'd had a video of that. And, uh, but, you know, I'm trying to tell you, the devil, he's just out to trip you up. He's just out to confuse you. He's just out to get you to believe something that isn't while he keeps you from believing something that is. Okay? Many, many, many years ago, I had a, a mother. She was not in the church. And we had her two sons in the academy. And the little guy was a booger. He, was just, he didn't want to do nothing. Nothing at all. He just, you know, nothing. And uh, I think he was five or six years old. And... Uh, Attention span, he didn't, he didn't have that chip. He didn't have that software. There was no attention span. And uh, he made Zachary look calm. And, uh, and that's saying something, let me tell you. <laughs> and so, uh, I don't know, he must have got written up or something, got sent home, and she called me, and boy, she proceeded to give me down the road. And I said, do you know, we're not down here for our health quite the opposite. And we're not down here for any reason other than to help educate first spiritually and then naturally. You know? And I'm saying the church, the mother of us all, has got the purest motives, church family. We're here to save you. We're here to see you realize the promise that he has given to us of life eternal. Those that believe in him are going to inherit eternal life. But remember, believe in him is not some gray, nebulous, namby-pamby thing. It's real. It's strong. It's action. It's not false. It's not fake. It's, it's not plastic. It's not phony. It's an unfeigned faith that the apostle commended the young man, he said, I saw that in your grandmother, I saw that in your mother, and I'm perceiving that I see it in you. Let's pass this on from generation to generation. What do you say? Let's live this on from generation to generation. Let our children behold that we go to church. Let our children behold that we worship Him. Let our children behold that we pray and we worship and we read His Word and we live this before the, the sinners in the town. Let them see that. It's not a double standard life. It's not. That this is who we are. I had to go through an experience because I got sued. And I, all the deposition and all the stuff I found myself going through, my wife and I. And uh, I remember I would, the things that they sued me over, I'd look at the lawyer and I'd say, that's not true. He'd say, okay, denied. He'd read me another thing. I'd say, that's not true. And he'd say, okay, denied. After a while, you know, I think he was very skeptical. And I, but then when they started doing their investigation and started bringing in the information, he said, you know, Pastor, he, he said, this, this is denied and it, it's going to stand and this is denied and it's going to stand and, and this, is, this is not going to go over in court with them. And I said, why? He said, because it's the truth, what you said. And I said, I've been trying to tell you that. I don't lie. I tell the truth. 
I have no reason to lie. None whatsoever. Oh, one of the great ones was that, that I kidnapped Patrick's wife, Nico, Sister Mila, that we kidnapped her back when she was, I don't know, Chris, what was she, about 12 when she first, that we, I didn't kidnap her, you didn't. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, no. But uh, I remember her kneeling down in the, in the back between the pews and her, somebody was out there in her family honking the horn, honking the horn. And I came in and I said, I said, honey, I guess you're going to have to go out there. I said, you're just going to have to make up your mind what you want to do. I made up my mind a long time ago. She wanted to live for God. And, uh, and you know, God heard that prayer. He heard that cry. And he's given her the most wonderful life and husband, whether you think so or not. <laughs> but that's what makes in-laws, right? Everybody would marry the same person if they felt that way. So. But uh, God pulls people out of the fire church family. He pulls people out. And, and you know, she, she was able through our direction and our coaching and prayers to reel her mother in a little bit and get some peace made there. Got to visit a lot of her family that live way down in the islands. So God has worked a lot of things out. And then, oh, yeah, yeah. Then there was the criticisms from uh, Brother Mila's former boss, former boss, and that, you know, your wife should get a job. Your wife should go to college. And on and on and on. Well, guess what? She's about to get her BA and soon her master's, and, and, and she's, her life is filled with all, more to do than she can do. And, and, you know, in other words, everything that you tried to make trouble about, God has opened the door for all. Hey, I'm telling you, we serve a real God. Behold your mother. Behold the church. Look at it through eyes of prayer and worship and, and, and thanksgiving and appreciation. Look what the Lord has done. Woo! Look what he's done. Man, you know, it's been said, where would I be without the Lord? That's something I don't want to know. The chances are I'd be pushing up daisies. Nah, I'd probably be pushing up weeds. Is a daisy a weed? Might be. <laughs> you know? I might be dead if it wasn't for God. And if, 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 if not, I'm, I'm quite sure I'd been sporting a lot of tats and a lot of bling because I was a nut. I was, I was ruled by the enemy, and I went after every silly, ridiculous thing. So I'm saying to you, in conclusion, take a good look at the church. Don't look at it like a Pharisee or a Sadducee or the chief priest who had other agendas I started to tell you, and I'm going to conclude with it. So we have, we have Jesus at weeping at Lazarus' stinky grave, groaning within himself twice. We have Mary and Martha weeping and the, and the Jews weeping. They even had professional weepers come in. I hope we have enough tears, church family, that we don't have to hire anybody to come weep for us. I hope that we can pray and talk to God and get moved by the Holy Ghost. I hope that we can enter into the closet and shut the door and just forget about everything else, shut everything else off and, and really talk to our Father. And so, and that we'll have faith that God can save people. God can do. You can't do it. But God can do it. And the quicker you acknowledge that and the quicker you trust God. And that's what Jesus, in the days of his flesh, what an example he was at the graveside of Lazarus. And, and they were, they kept, all they could say was, if you'd been here, he wouldn't be dead. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus is like, if you'll step back a minute, I'm going to show you the glory of God <laughs> that you wouldn't see if he hadn't died. You're fixing to see something. I'm fixing to light up your world. You want to get boosted up? Well, get boosted up by God's glory because that's a positive thing. That won't boost you up to fight and cuss and argue and be ugly. That'll boost you up to love. Holy Ghost love. That'll boost you up to live for God. 
in power and glory and unction. That's what that'll do. Everybody said amen. Let me tell you, Jesus cried out in the, in the face of opposition that he stinks and the hesitation to roll away the stone. And all the weeping in his own groan, own strong emotion, he cried, Lazarus, come forth. At that moment, that must have been quite a sight. His feet were tied. His hands were tied. He had a napkin over his face. He must have said, hopping. <laughs> How's that, hop? He must have been hopping. <laughs> Hop's got so much work, he's hopping all over town. I want him to hop back on this job. <laughs> but uh, Jesus said, loose him. Let him go. Oh, I like that God does that. He looses us from drugs. He looses us from alcohol. He looses us from lying. He looses us from bad spirits and bad motives, bad thoughts, wicked imagination. He looses us. He gives us victory and deliverance over the devil. He does that. He's a great God. Behold thy mother. Take a good look at the church, church family. And remember it for good. Remember all the good. Remember all the good. Try not to remember when you had to get a spanking or a rebuking or something of that nature. Even though the Bible said open rebuke is better than secret love. Even though it said for me to rebuke openly, it did say that. You know, so there would be edification. So that we would be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. But there's, I know there's got to be a balance in those things. Sure there does. All right, let's take a moment. Let's lift our hearts with our hands, if you would. Thank you, dear God. I love you. And I praise you, holy God. And I worship you, holy Father. And I thank you for the truth. I thank you for the love of God, the power of God, the grace of God. Won't you come close to us, most holy one? Won't you strengthen us and allow us to do your most holy will? Oh, great God, heal the sick among us this morning. Strengthen the weak among us this morning, God. Reach throughout our community. Touch hearts. Touch people. Deal with lives. God, I give you praise. God, I give you glory. And God, I give you honor. I want to thank you, Lord. I want to praise you, Lord. Join right in, church family. Let it be a praise. Come on now. Lift your heart with your hands. He's such a great God. Such a mighty God. Behold thy mother. Oh, behold them that do his will. They're not wanting to have their way. They want God's way. 
They want God's words. They want to keep the word of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. They want to do his commandments. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said praise the Lord. And everybody said God bless the offering. In Jesus' name. Let's give God a big hand. Thank you.